Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Tuesday, December the 12th, 2023. It is the second Tuesday of Advent, and it is the feast day of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Today's reading is from the gospel according to St. Luke. Mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste, to a town of Judah, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice and said, Most blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how does this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For at the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears. The infant in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed are you who believe that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. And Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. So today we have another great feast of our Blessed Mother. And as our Gospel reading shows... Mary has one job. You know that expression, you had one job. Mary has one job and she does it perfectly. Mary's job is to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the presence of Jesus, and then to bring them to everyone. So this is what Mary does. The Bible shows us right off the bat Mary says, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done to me as you said. She's filled with the Holy Spirit. She's filled with the presence of Jesus. She is pregnant with Jesus. Jesus will later say, those who do the will of my father are brother, sister, and mother to me. So what a beautiful example of what we're all called to be, to receive Jesus and then to bring him to others. And there is rejoicing when we bring Jesus to others. Jesus doesn't say, I've come that you may have a new set of rules to make your life miserable. That's not why he came. He said, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. And there is no greater life than the life of Jesus. He wants us to receive him. He wants us to be filled with him and his Holy Spirit. And Mary shows us how to do that. She receives him perfectly into her virginal womb, into her most pure body. We celebrated the other day, the Immaculate Conception, her body that is without sin. Her soul is also without sin. She receives Jesus and she brings him and there is rejoicing. And he sanctifies John the Baptist in the womb of his mother. The Lord is active in secret already. And... That's how it's going to be. They're going to be a team bringing the joy of Almighty God, bringing the peace and love of the Holy Spirit everywhere. And then Jesus establishes the church, and Mary becomes the mother of this church. Mary becomes the preeminent member of the church. Mary is the bride, which is what the church is meant to be. Mary is mother. We are all called to be brother and sister and mother. And so part of Mary fulfilling her goal here, her, her vocation, as she says later in the Magnificat, from all, gener- all generations will call me blessed from this day. <clears throat> so Mary 
is this is being fulfilled. Elizabeth is the first one to say it. Blessed are you among women. Later, we're going to hear, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast that nursed you. So Mary is going to be called blessed. Every time we say a Hail Mary, that is fulfilled. So on this feast, we celebrate what happened in the year 1531. If we went back a little bit in time there to 1492, we have a man by the name of Christopher Columbus, and we know the story, although there's a lot of people trying to uh, change it and cancel it and all this kind of stuff. And, and are there flaws in the story? Sure. There's always going to be flaws. And Christopher Columbus is not revered as a saint. He's a traveler. He was an explorer. He believed the world was round, and he wanted to find a new way to get to the, the, the Middle East and the Far East, you know, India and, the, and the, the, the Asia. And he tried to get people to sponsor him. And the story goes, there's so much more to the story that people don't know because it has so much to do with our faith. You know, Queen Isabella of Spain was up for canonization. I believe she's venerable. Venerable Queen Isabella of Spain. She might be servant of God. There's different levels there. But she was a woman that very much loved her faith, that was very well known for practicing and spreading the Catholic faith. And this is right before the Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther and the rest. And Christopher Columbus needs a sponsor. He needs sponsorship for his journey across the ocean. He wants to go in the other direction. And so he gets that sponsorship through Queen Isabella and her husband, King Ferdinand of Spain. (coughs) Queen Isabella gives him money. She gives him a crew more than what he already had. She gave him two additional ships, the Nina and the Pinta. And his large ship originally had a different name. And she said, you will devote this journey to the Blessed Mother. You will pray the rosary as you travel across the sea. You will sing songs in honor of Our Lady. You will dedicate this journey to Mary, and you will rename your large ship the Santa Maria. And so this is what he did. This is the part that we don't hear, the original journey to America. I know it wasn't original, but it was uh, the first in a long line of consistent journeys. I know, yes, the Vikings had been there before. By the way, the Vikings left a little shrine up in Minnesota where we read the words engraved in a rock, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us. So even when the Vikings came, it was devoted to Mary. But now, yes, it's going to be almost 200 years later that Christopher Columbus is now sailing across the ocean. Like I said, this is the first in a string of journeys. This is why we say Columbus discovered America. Of course, the Native Americans were there long before the Vikings, long before Columbus. But he renamed his large ship the Santa Maria, and there they traveled across the ocean, the Nina, the Pinta, the Santa Maria. Let's arrange these words in a sentence. Santa Maria, Pinta, Nina. We put the verb in the middle. Pinta means to paint. Holy Mary paints a Nina. Holy Mary paints a girl. It's a prophecy. The sentence structure, the sentence which spells out the names of these boats traveling across the Atlantic Ocean, is a prophecy. Holy Mary paints a girl. It's going to be 
how many years? 40, 31 plus 8, 39 years later that Holy Mary will paint a girl. We know the story. Christopher Columbus discovers this new land. And now uh, people start coming within those 39 years. I mean, it was mostly Spain. Then eventually England and France started to send people over as well and other countries as well. The Spanish went to the initially parts around Central America. There's various islands. There's also Mexico. And so in the year 38, uh, I'm sorry, 1531, 39 years after Columbus sailed, now we have the Spanish traveling across the ocean. And there's two main groups of the Spanish initially hitting the new world, hitting land, the conquistadors and the Jesuit missionaries. The conquistadors have come over to conquer and to pillage and to get as much wealth from these people as they can to bring it back to the old country and to start settling as well. Whereas the Spanish missionaries, the Jesuits, were there to convert the natives. Sometimes they did it in ways that were more rough. Sometimes they did it in ways that were very loving. A great movie that shows that tension between the two groups is The Mission with Jeremy Irons and Robert De Niro. It tells the story. So they're in this area of Mexico City, and many of the Aztecs, the tribe that was local there, many of them are being converted. So this is where Mexico City, I mean, Mexico City is still there to this day, but these are the early days of it, the initial settlement of it. And there's a young Aztec who has recently become Catholic. His name is Juan Diego. And he's traveling uh, across a mountain pass to visit his uncle who was very sick. And the Blessed Mother appears to him. This is right outside Mexico City. And she tells him, I am the Virgin Mother of God. And she says, I want a church built here on the spot. And he says, no, no, no. He's scared. And he he just wants to get away. And he says, no, no, no. I have an uncle who's sick. I have to go see my uncle. And she says, do not fear any illness or trouble, anxiety or pain. Am I not here who, who am your mother? Are you not in the folds of my mantle, in the crossing of my arms? Is there anything else you need? And that moment that she said that, his uncle was miraculously healed. And she said, your uncle will be healed. Now do the task to which I am sending you. Go and tell the Bishop of Mexico City, I want a church built right here on this spot. And he says, oh, the Bishop will never listen to me. She says, go, he will listen to you. So he reluctantly goes to the Bishop and the Bishop listens. He's nice enough, but he sends him back. He's not really listening. Juan Diego is humiliated and he thinks, all right, I just want to go home. And he goes to the other side of the mountain. And the Blessed Mother appears on the other side of the mountain. Did you think you could escape me? She says in so many words. And she says, I want you to go back. Go back and tell the bishop, I want a church built here on this spot. Now he's just beside himself, humiliated and just thinking, man, I'm crazy and nobody's going to listen to me. And who am I? I'm nobody. So he goes back reluctantly because Our Lady asked him. And when he goes back, the bishop now is a little annoyed, but he still thinks, well, maybe there's something to this. So he says, okay, I'm thinking of something. I'm thinking of a sign. If the Blessed Mother, if this is truly her, if she can make the sign that I'm thinking of appear, I'll build a church on that spot. I'll listen to you. So Juan Diego said, okay. So he went back to the mountain, the original 
uh, Mountain Pass, the original little trail there. The place is called Tepeyac. And as he is crossing over the path, Mary appears to him again. He says the bishop asked for a sign, and he didn't tell me what it was. He was thinking of it, and Mary says, I know, and here is your sign. And she made Castilian roses appear, roses that only appear in Spain at a different time of the year. And she said, here they are. Hold out your tilma. The tilma was the cloak that he was wearing. She said, hold it out, and she proceeded to arrange the Castilian roses in the tilma. And she filled up the tilma as he was holding it up for her. And then he folded it up with the roses inside and he turned around and went back to the bishop. When he got to the bishop and there were a couple other people present there at the bishop's palace, it's amazing how much they had built in 39 years, how much they had accomplished. Anyway, he opens Juan Diego, approaches the bishop and says, I have your sign. And the bishop says, let's see it. And he opens up his tilma and out flow the Castilian roses. And the bishop is amazed at what he sees, because this is what he was thinking of. But then, to the bishop's amazement, he sees something else. He looks up at the tilma of Juan Diego, and there it is, Holy Mary painted a girl. Mary made an image of herself appear on the tilma in the exact manner, looking exactly like the way she had appeared to Juan Diego. Now, Her appearance on this tilma and her appearance to Juan Diego looked like a young Mexican girl. She had the garb of the Aztecs. Except, a little addition, she had a little cross around her neck. See, the natives, the Aztecs, had worshipped a fertility goddess on that mountain. Meaning, before they were converted to Christianity, they were sacrificing babies On the side of that mountain, they were sacrificing their children. What an irony. We're going to give you our children in the hopes of getting more children. So they were, that was an evil place where they were worshiping a false goddess and killing their children. Initially, when people heard a woman had appeared on the mountain, they thought it was the goddess, except this woman had a cross around her neck and she claimed to be the mother of Jesus. And there were particular items about the way she appeared, such as although she was dressed as a young Aztec woman, she was pregnant. She was with child, and the cord around her waist indicates her pregnancy. Her stomach is sticking out a little bit. You never ask a woman like that, you know, how, how far along are you, because you never know. She might have just had a little too much to eat the past couple weeks. But anyway, Mary was truly pregnant. See, first time Mary appears pregnant out of all her apparitions, they say Mary holding Jesus, Mary without Jesus, Mary pregnant with Jesus. These all have different meanings themselves. And she is moving her legs in such a way to indicate that she is dancing. It's something that I didn't realize the first time I had read about this. And for these people, the manner of her dance was worship. So Mary, just as Jesus says about our guardian angels in the gospel, they constantly behold the face of my heavenly father. Mary is also beholding the face of the Lord. Mary is worshiping the father while she's appearing to Juan Diego and asking for this church to be built. Mary appears also as the woman in the book of Revelation chapter 12. She has the moon under her feet, the sun behind her back and a crown of 12 stars above her head. 
so there's even something apocalyptic about this vision, indicating perhaps the importance of America, the importance of the new world. The bishop affirmed that this was truly the Blessed Mother, and he made his announcement that he's going to build a church there. Now, I believe four churches have been built there. I did go there about, oh, that was like 22 years ago in 2000. You know, 20, I guess 21 years ago was in the winter of 2002 that I was there. And there's a huge basilica now that holds the tilma. uh, But there's three other churches there right near that spot. And now there's like a whole little village there. And it's absolutely beautiful. And so much good happens. There's so many miracles have happened through the intercession of Our Lady of Guadalupe and people praying in front of the tilma. Well, right after this happened, uh, they had a big festival. The bishop announced that he, you know, Mary has appeared and we're going to build a, a church in her honor. And the Aztecs heard about it. Like I was saying, they thought it was their goddess, but then they realized it was the mother of Jesus and they converted. Now, what's interesting about this is right before this happened, Martin Luther had posted his 95 theses. And because of Martin Luther and the beginning of the Protestant Reformation, between three and five million people left the Catholic Church to start what we now know as Protestantism and denominations, different denominations started to form. So between three and five million. However, Mary, knowing that this is going to happen, converts Aztecs. And how many Aztecs, how many natives converted right off the bat because of Our Lady of Guadalupe? Between nine and 10 million. The number is astronomical. It's funny that even now, as the Western world is rejecting Jesus and the numbers of our churches are shrinking more and more and more, what's happening in the world? In Africa, the church is exploding. And in other places like South America and India and the Philippines and so many places, there's just huge numbers of people joining the Catholic Church to the point where now we have over a billion members. It's the largest organization that's ever existed in the history of the world. So Our Lady and Our Lord take care of us, and they they continue to bless their church, the church that Jesus founded. So getting back to the story, they had a big festival, and Our Lady of Guadalupe is the patroness of the Americas now. She even said it, I am the queen of the Americas, but she's also the patroness of the pro-life movement. And why is that? Well, it has to do with all those babies that were being killed that stopped being killed because Mary took over that mountain that was originally dedicated to the fertility goddess, but also because uh, there was a life saved right off the bat. When they were celebrating, and I don't know, understand why people do this, nowadays you have people shooting guns into the air as part of a celebration. Back then they were shooting arrows up into the air to celebrate, and they were processing around celebrating Mary has appeared. God is blessing his church in the new world. And as they were shooting arrows into the air, one of the arrows came down and went through a man and killed him. So the bishop had stopped the celebration and the bishop very confidently took the tilma of Juan Diego and wrapped it around this man. And when he pulled it off, the man was alive again. The arrow was on the ground. That was the first of many, many miracles of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Over the centuries, oh boy, There have been candles lit in front of it. There have been explosions around it. And it's never been harmed. The tilma of Our Lady of Guadalupe, the tilma of Juan Diego. One of those tilmas is built, is made, put together so cheaply 
that it would typically only last maybe 20 years at the most. These things disintegrate rather quickly. It's not like our sweaters and sweatshirts and all of our clothing, old blankets that we keep in our closets and our basements and attics for, you know, entire generations at a time. No, these things disintegrate. They're made very cheaply of local materials and it's not like they had a lot of sheep or, you know, that they could use for wool for sewing these things, knitting these things. Of course, over time, with the Europeans coming over and civilization being established more and more, okay, clothing's going to improve as well. But these tilmas were cheaply made. But here we have a tilma that's almost 500 years old that's hanging there in the Basilica at Guadalupe. It's been there. Juan Diego initially hung it up in the new church, and he guarded it. He became a hermit where his – and I mentioned this the other day. I was talking about him – he became the guardian of the tilma, and he would tell people the story over and over again to his death. But now, 500 years later, it survived explosions and fires, and it's just still there for people to venerate, and it's been the source of many miracles. Like I say, you could study the image on the tilma. There's so much about it that's so significant. There, her dress is arranged in such a way, the flowers on her dress indicating the mountain ranges and the star systems. I mean, there's so much about it that I don't know, but people are studying it to this day. And if you magnify the reflection in her eyes on the tilma, you see the Bishop of Mexico City. And he's upside down because when you, when you ever look at a reflection in someone's eyes, you see yourself reflected back, but upside down. And so, yes, there's a reflection of the bishop and his assistant in the eyes. So meaning she was looking at him from the tilma. That's where Mary was at that moment when the image appeared. It's very similar to the image of the Shroud of Turin, uh, another miraculous image that comes to us from 2,000 years ago, indicating our Lord's uh, being wrapped in the shroud in the tomb and then being raised from the dead. So there's so much about it, and it's just a great feast. It's a great celebration. And like I say, this is our Lord and our Lady saying, you are not alone. I am here with you, and I intercede for you, and you belong to me, and you have every reason to hope because I am going to do great things in your midst. Holy Mary painted a girl as America was being discovered. And we will see when we read true American history, Our Lady's imprint on American history over and over and over again, and her son, our Lord Jesus. And this is why we believe God blesses us and will continue to bless us. But of course, we have to do our part and we have to be faithful to him. So we ask Our Lady of Guadalupe today to intercede for us and for our world, to intercede for the pro-life movement, and to... Uh, just constantly pray that we grow closer to the Lord, especially during this Advent season, that Our Lady be everywhere in our midst, in our society, so that Jesus will be everywhere. Because like we said, looking at the gospel reading, Mary knows her job. Hopefully the rest of us do as well. Mary is filled with the Holy Spirit. She is filled with the presence of Jesus, her son, and she brings Jesus everywhere she goes. Have a great day, and may Our Lady of Guadalupe intercede for you. God bless you.